Welcome to Unbundling Embedded Finance, your insight into the future of financial services. Today's guests are Christian Herger, Senior Product Owner, Data, and Anna-Marie Sanger, Senior Analytics Engineer. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the fifth episode of Unbundling Embedded Finance. It's hard to believe we've already done four already. And today we're going to talk about something very important, obviously data. So to do that, we have two very special and knowledgeable guests from Solaris, Christian and Anna Marie. So do you both tell us a little bit about what you do at Solaris? Anna Marie, you go first. Yes. Hi. So my name is Anna Marie. I'm just a little bit about my personality, maybe. So I was born and raised in Germany. I have a background in international business and I studied in Berlin and Amsterdam. But the majority of the last 10 years, I would say I lived and worked in Berlin. And here at Solaris, I'm the senior analytics engineer at the analytics platform team. And basically what my team is doing, we're administrating the data warehouse. And we basically, to put it in simple words, take care of anything that's necessary to deliver clean data. And as an analytics engineer, I sit between data engineering and business analytics a little bit. So I work as a moderator or translator, even sometimes a little bit in between the two. And as I said already before, we basically make sure that we deliver well-documented and clean data to our users. And I would say, to put it in a nutshell, my team enables data analytics. <laughs> That's a great, well-documented and clean data. That's the data piece right succinctly summed up by you. Thanks, Anna-Marie. And uh, Christian, can you give us your rundown of yourself? Hi, I'm Christian. I'm the product owner for the data team or the data platform. Depends on how you want to see it. I'm German. And before Solaris, I worked in various startups, bigger corporates in the Berlin ecosystem, let's say. And my role is mostly concerned with owning the data team roadmap, prioritizing, having conversations around the solutions and data products that we develop, and making sure that the team is also iterating, not only on their actual work and features, but also in terms of a culture. Very interesting. So obviously we're going to talk about data today. And one of the things we always hear is like, you know, data is the new oil, data is the new currency in today's economy. So actually, can we back up a little bit and talk about how data is the new currency in today's economy? Either Christian or Anna Marie can go first on this one. I will take the floor. So we in the data team, we see this question or the data is the new currency, of course, as a function of that the digital economy Mobile devices produce vast amount of data and those entities need to also exchange information in order to function properly. So this is a generic, uh, I would say, definition that comes to mind when you read this question. The other thing is in the data function, we see ourselves as carving little black boxes into business processes and the overarching theme, where is the business going? Which processes run how? Are they good? Are they bad? We put little annotations on them with KPIs so that we can analyze customer behavior, user preferences, process performance, financials, or even employee satisfaction. So I think that one is really important in a company context. So it's a currency in the company as well. And I think in the mid 2010s, the whole game of data as a currency went then from the retroactive insights into predictive analytics, machine learning, data science. I think data scientist was also one of the sexiest jobs in the 2010s. So, I mean, that's a different currency. Then. <laughs> yeah. And so in the end, I think our economy 
currently functions with a lot of input and output ports with data. So we can use this data because it has a lot of coverage. And I think the use cases of this value exchange are just tremendous. And I think that's why one can see it as the new currency. That was a very thorough and thoughtful answer. So thank you for that. Anna-Marie, what's your take on how data is the new currency in our current economy? I agree with Christian, but maybe to speak a little bit more from my personal experience working in data and working ready for a few years in managing data, what we are facing is really an almost never-ending amount of data. Sometimes that's how it feels, because with every product that we build and every process that we implement, this inflow of data just gets more and more, and sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming. And if you just think about that, almost every process of our daily life is almost getting digital. And with that, the amount of data just grows again, right? So, and if you don't manage to um, organize then this big amount of data within your company in a good way, and if you're not able to take knowledge from the data that you have at your hands, I think your business can fall behind because you're just simply not able to react to market changes fast enough. And that's an obviously also a financial impact. So indeed, I think data becomes really a valuable asset to a company. Thank you both for those answers. So let's dive deeper into this data discussion. Why is data critical for a future-proof business model? Anna-Marie, could you continue enlightening us? For sure I can. I mean, I think I can already pick up on the last bit that I mentioned that digitalization is here to stay. So let's be honest about that. And with that, the amount of data. And so this data won't disappear. And I think data management is so critical because Analyzing your data just means um, making better decisions for your business. It also means by looking at your data to understand your customers better. And with that, you eventually build better products and services. So that's obviously a big plus. What I personally always love is how data engineering can also make your daily operations so much easier. So I like to work with my stakeholders on automating processes because you can really see how this can have immediate effects on someone's daily life. So that's pretty nice to see. And besides, it obviously makes processes more efficient and then time can be spent otherwise. If I think about it from a Solaris perspective, Compliance is also a really big topic. And again, data engineering can help here to make processes more robust and reliable. And I think that's very important, obviously, when it comes to compliance. Absolutely. Christian, did you have a follow-up answer to the question about why is data critical to a future-proof business model? What I learn or what we learn every day is that um, decisions are made based on opinions a lot. They're not backed by sometimes actual facts. So... If you want to have a future-proof business that is also up-to-date with the latest developments, I think you need to stick to the facts. I don't mean to go into analysis paralysis and just take data as the foundation for every decision that you can do. I think that's also not the best way to approach it because some things you cannot do data-driven or data-led or however you want to call it. But I think data gives you the opportunity to see the reality as it is. And you're still having, I think, also in Solaris, a lot of conversations around what if the data is not showing the opinion that is shared by the management or the project owner, etc. And I think um, this conversation and this kind of um, conundrum or friction area is really interesting and will also make the difference between future-proof and not future-proof in this case. Nice answer. Following up to that, what are the prerequisites to leverage data for you know, a company to be successful? I think our top three are management buy-in, mm -hmm. bulletproof prioritization, and I think then we have um, a general view on data quality, skilled people, and data governance, so we can put this in one bucket, management buy-in. 
the function of the data team in a company context is sometimes not understood by most of the people. That means that we are still considered a team that is mostly concerned with Excel formatting or report generation. However, it's just a fraction of the value that a data team can bring. And in every company where data is basically progressing in the data literacy path or data maturity path, there's always the first primer. Oh, data team just gives me reports and gets us a look into some processes that are otherwise not transparent enough. But we are needing management support in order to also get investment opportunities. So you need a lot of investment prior and without the management push to actually make decisions based on data, we also don't have much room to operate. We don't have much opportunity space. And so that's why we would then always be the buffer zone of reporting requests, etc. Okay, so the second thing is bulletproof prioritization. So in the Solaris universe, we are operating as a product team. You have a product owner, which is yours truly. And we are a service function that is also a value driver at the same time. We have a two-week sprint cycle we have prioritization sessions with our stakeholders, and we have a roadmap that is aligned quarterly overall with the company strategic objectives. And so that gives us the opportunity to focus on only on initiatives that move the needle in the company setting and that are aligned with the overall objectives. And I think in my past, I didn't see many data teams being able to actually do that, being autonomous in the prioritization and decision-making. And the third one is of course, skilled people. I think I don't have to dig deeper into that. The only thing I would like to say about it is we are in the middle of a lot of processes in a lot of departments, and you can basically have a look into all of them in order to understand them. But right now where the data maturity journey is leading us is that we also have to enable our stakeholders to do more things by themselves. And so it's a different approach on only being numbers-driven, analytical. You also have to really break down complex contexts and even SQL statements into adjustable chunks. So that's skilled people. Then we have the data quality, which I think I would like to highlight that a data platform can only be as good and as high quality as its inputs are. The principle here at play is trash in, trash out. <laughs> so if, if we get not high quality data on our platform, we can run the fanciest processes on top of them. It will get stuck at some point and we need people to understand that we are actually in the middle of things and we are as a data team responsible for getting data from A to B and the ownership discussion is a secondary thought most of the time. So to sum up my multifaceted answer, bulletproof prioritization, high skilled people that also know how to teach the complexity of data. And having data quality in mind, I think, are prerequisites to leverage data. Great. That was very thorough. So, Anna-Marie, do you have anything to add to that answer from your perspective as an analytic engineer? So, I like what you said there, Christian, about the management buy-in, because I think we both experienced this already. And we also talked about it uh, just recently. And I think why it's so important is because it helps you also to create a overall mindset in your company of more about seeing the data team as your best friend towards success rather than just a service team <laughs> within the company. And I think I would give as a tip to anyone to include the data team as soon as possible in your decision-making because it creates a more of a win-win situation for both. Because it also helps us sitting within the data team to fill this knowledge gap that we often experience, which is between the business side and the data team. 
because there's obviously always changes in your environment, the market changes, your business changes because you need to adjust. You're constantly evolving and that creates a certain complexity and that's reflected in your data. So it's just really good to be close to the data team and evolve as soon as possible. Oh, thanks for that answer. So as you just mentioned, there's a lot of complexity in this, obviously. So if you can give us a little bit more insight into like, just what does Solaris's data platform look like? How does it handle the, all this complexity and, and connect all these different players, like the business analytics to like the product owners? Can you give us a little bit of a explanation about how, how that's done? without giving your secrets away, of course. I can take this question. So to give you just a short summary of how the data department looks like here at Solaris. So we are 30 people working in the data department and we work in four sub teams. So we have engineers in the data infrastructure team. We have analytics engineers in the analytics platform team. And we have data analytics and data science. And we have our lovely PO, Christian, <laughs> with us. Maybe to explain a little bit this term data platform and what how does this look like. Our data platform operates on the cloud and we use tools like AWS and Snowflake. And Snowflake is our tool for data warehousing. And once data arrives on Snowflake, it's transformed and modeled with a tool called DBT. But maybe that's enough about the text that we have to answer this question of that you had about how do we handle this complexity. So we organize our data warehouse in a decentralized way following the data mesh concept. So we're currently in the process of designing our data mesh and gradually rolling it out also more and more to, in the company because it's not only a way of designing your data, it's also a social um, concept. So it actually tremendously changes the way you operate and how you work with data in your company. So that's why we're taking step by step. What does it mean for the platform? It basically means that we were looking at our data landscape and identified certain business domains. What that is, basically you see how can you divide your data into smaller containers or like smaller packages that are just a little bit easier to digest and that is called a domain and what that should help with is it's easier to digest for data users also if they're just dealing with like a smaller container of data that they understand and it's also easier for them then to take ownership over this data again and that's the overarching goal also of the data mesh concept that you give ownership out of the centralized data team as we know it and you give it back to the business side where the data actually belongs because it's, this is where it's being used mostly. And eventually the goal is to provide self-service as much as possible with this. I can give you maybe one or two examples of what such a domain is because it's not very tangible like right now what I explained. <laughs> we have two different forms of domains. So if we have, for example, a domain in our data warehouse per product type. And for us at Solaris, that's examples like cards or loans. So we have like one domain for all the cards data, one domain for all the loans. But we also have business domains like risk management. I think it also speaks for itself. It's the point where we gather together all the data and analytics and business definitions around risk. So it's a bit easier to navigate through our data landscape like that. That's a great answer. I'm just uh, curious, since you work with a decentralized data model, I'm curious if that affects the way you all work together with your different teams as well, since the data is not siloed like it is in a traditional legacy bank, for example. And now you can, with a more decentralized sort of data architecture, you can also bring together functional teams. So it's not like you're in business analytics, you're a product owner, or like me, you're in marketing. You can kind of have all these teams being able to work with the same pool of data. And, you know, it can, I would think it makes working with different departments a lot easier, but is that true or is that just me? Is that just my fun to see? 
<laughs> so I think you got it right there. It's actually a good perspective because that's the overarching goal of the data mesh, that you give as much control back to the data users and it should be as easy and intuitive as possible to work with the data that we have. For us in the data team, we also try to organize it a little bit in the same way. So we also have our analytics divided into three domains. So they take care of like a certain subset of domains in our data warehouse. So we have, for example, someone that's focusing more on operational teams, one that has more product teams. And the third domain that we have is more growth topics, which includes sales and marketing. Christian, do you have any additions or comments? Yeah. yeah. I think um, it's really interesting to see the difference between centralized and decentralized approaches when it comes to the users in the company setting. I think it's also something that you need in order to have a data-driven company culture, which is the data product thinking. And what I mean with that is we have three segments, if you really want to be simplistic, we have two, but three segments of users within a company. We have people that are really literate with data. They can query the our data warehouse by themselves. They don't need much attention from us in terms of that. Sometimes they need some more contextual information. So where can I find X, Y, Z? And as a second group, we have people that are interested, but they have basic knowledge. I mean, they can do VLOOKUPs via Excel, right? So they can also join tables together. I think that's a great way to start because I think there are only four base data operations that you got to do. Joining, pivoting, aggregating, and grouping. And so if you know all four of them, you basically know the, the foundational tools to be data analyst, congratulations. And then we have the third one, which are the people that are rather resistant. They are mostly seen in the non-tech functions and more like the traditional banking things. And I got to say that those are the most interesting users that we have because we need to work actively in order to enable them in a decentralized approach, ownership discussions, how to query data, how to look at data. How to think with data, you know, those are questions that we are currently tackling. So it's really interesting for all of us because also the data mesh is a little bit of a hype train and we need to figure it out by trial and error. So we're trying our best to do so and learning while we're doing it. Oh, cool. Thanks. Uh, following up on that, you said something really interesting for the sort of least data savvy people. We have to kind of like help them along the data journey and teach them how to think with data. So like in general, how do you create data-driven company culture? Because I imagine you can't, you know, you can't, I mean, you have a big company, you can't hold everyone's hand all the time. And I understand that there's different sort of data competencies throughout the organization. And that, I think that's the, the tricky part, but like, besides like management buy-in, because obviously that has to be from the top, that has to be kind of like one of your ways of working. So how do you instill like that data-driven culture throughout, throughout the business without going wild with running around and giving everybody a workshop? Which might be one of them, right? I think you're going to start with seeing data with the complexity and the reality focus that it actually has. And that is the term data product thinking. It's still a little bit ambiguous. What we understand about it is that the complexity of data rose significantly in the last years. I mean, you see it also on the market around companies that are doing data related things or data economy businesses in this case. And we see it as the focus on usability of the data solutions that we built. So we have a concern around how are domains, how are they accessible? How many people use them? What are they using? Can we improve something? And these are concerns that normally is only in product teams there. But since we are product teams as well, this is at the core of our thinking, how we want to also roll out data within the company. A really crucial one that comes from this naturally 
also with the domain structure is that you need to align the, the data flow based on business processes. I think that's also why the decentralized approach came up in the first place, because a bottle, like a bottleneck situation or a centralized approach is not how information flows through your company. It's multifaceted. One team produces data, the other team inputs it basically, and they're all mixed meshed. And that's why the data mesh concept came up to align this. But what we see is that a lot of business processes, when they get set up and they're messy or they're like overly complex, and then you put data on top of them and you want to have a data model that does that, the data model will also just be, surprise, surprise, complex, and the pipelines will run endlessly. And so it will produce KPIs that are not saying anything about the actual improvement you're trying to aim for. I think the data team term of this is vanity metrics. And we, in order to make sure that you actually move the needle in your department, in your business process, you also need to make sure that the business process in itself is producing quality data that is uh, not complex and that everyone can understand with contextual information. And I think the, the another big part is more on a meta level in the company, um, which is like a fostering of a culture that is focusing on learning and experimentation. There's a big, big word, which is psychological safety to fail in the realm of this question. So it has to be okay to have opposing views. These have to be welcomed and hopefully back with data. So the standard question should be when you go into a meeting, show me the data that proves your um, opinion or what you just said. And if this is not at the core of the conversation and it's also getting pushed by the management, hello, uh, previous question, then I think we don't even have to talk about the data-led culture. And that also feeds into other answers we already gave, which of course you can only expect us from people that are trained, that own their data in the data mesh. And so as you can see, we have multiple work streams within the data team that make it also a really interesting job to just pick up and see where it leads you. Thanks. Anna-Marie, do you have any additions? I think what I can add to this, what Christian just said, what can we do actually as a data team to make the company more data-driven? Maybe that's something we haven't talked about. And I think step number one is access to data. So I think as a data team, you should focus on making it as easy as possible to get access to data for people within the company. And I think you can do this by the way that you design it, but also by just really good documentation. So it's just easy to find what you're looking for. I think another thing, what we are also trying as data engineers and analysts to rather focus on sustainable solutions and not always only the fast solution. I feel like this is sometimes where the business side and the data side clash because the business wants data fast, <laughs> but you get so much more added value when you build it in a sustainable way. And one thing that I've learned in the last six years that I worked in data and, and analytics engineering you also need to promote your work. I feel like this, at least for me personally, that's what I'm not doing enough. You also need to be more vocal as a data team about all the things that you're doing and all the problems that you solve. And I think this also helps to make a company culture a bit more data-driven. Oh, no, that's a, uh, yeah, funny. That sort of, that skill of just saying, hey, we're not just doing crunching data all the time, but look, here's something cool that happened that enabled this use case yeah. or made things easier for users. Yeah, oftentimes people think it's just putting a report, but it's more than that. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of funny because like, yeah, we actually do a lot more. We kind of keep yeah. the ship afloat in a very sort of literal sense. We actually have to spend a lot of time on explaining what the data team actually is doing behind the scenes. Um, and I think that's uh, oftentimes not so easy to see for people outside. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point because companies I've worked at, it's, it's the same team. That's like, that's the data team over there. And you're like, what do they do? You know, like, I know it's important, but I'm in yeah. marketing. So like, what's the impact? Because it's, it's one of those necessary things that you kind of don't, you don't see every day, but it's necessary to make everything else function properly and as it should. So having said that, what are some data use cases uh, that we might see in the future? Christian, you can take that first. <laughs> so let's go from a generic to more concrete. What we see on the overarching data landscape, I think everything is going to get more real time. I have a lot of vendors on the market that provide you event streaming or like change data captures that can push data into your data platform um, within real time. We see that the mesh of applications or data intense applications is just getting crowded. Also with the, of course, more and more machine learning capabilities. I don't want to call it ChatGPT because that's something else, but machine learning as automation at scale is also becoming very more dominant and also is enhanced by real-time analytics. And what you can then do is basically personalize data applications to really tackle business problems, also micro business problems that if you chain them then together, they will address bigger business problems. Apart from the obvious ones, such as the better you can do data, the more energy efficient you are, the more sustainable your team is working. So that's the more generic answer. I think for us within Solaris, I think we are also having certain initiatives that tackle this machine learning ecosystem. So we want to build a lot of more machine learning applications and data products that will one day talk to each other in order to make better decisions and to enable better decisions. Decision quality is basically the ROI that we try to achieve with this. And apart from that, we also thinking about solutions, how we can make data accessible to our partners. So how we can leverage the expertise that we build in-house also for our partners. Okay, thanks. Anna-Marie, what's your take? I have the same idea as you, Christian. Um... Because right now we're focusing much more on providing self-service for data users within Solaris. Um, but why not once that demand's a bit more saturated, also go then the extra mile and offer that self-service to our partners? And what that could be is that we could build data products that we can also provide kind of data products that we could monetize. That's a little bit how you call that then and provide that as a service to our partners. And another thing that I can imagine is like another catchy term that's flying around is reverse ETL. <laughs> And what that means is basically that you have already this data flow of modeling your data in the data warehouse, having that on a dashboard, analyze it. But why not, if you have an advanced analytical dashboard, use that output and feed that back to your product to make it actually better. So that's a little bit what is meant with reverse ETL. And this is also a trend that I can see um, we can apply at Solaris also in the future. We've covered quite some uh, ground today. So uh, to sum up, we began by discussing how data is the new currency, both in terms of general society with the proliferation of devices that create it and inside organizations that use it to make things better for both employees and their clients. And we also talked about the key place data has in future-proofing businesses, especially in places like compliance. Uh, we also spent a good amount of time going through all the things companies can do to make their data efforts successful, like getting better management buy-in, ensuring data quality and having good data governance, making everyone more comfortable with data and ensuring they can easily access it and understand it, decentralization, using cloud, aligning data flow with business processes, and just in general, giving as much control as possible back to users. So thanks, uh, Christian and Anna-Marie. You've given us 
a lot to think about and insight into how Solaris thinks about data. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. You've just been listening to Unbundling Embedded Finance, your insight into the future of financial services. Today's guests were Christian Herger, Senior Product Owner, Data, and Anna-Marie Sanger, Senior Analytics Engineer. Unbundling Embedded Finance is brought to you by Solaris, Cognito Amsterdam, and Finco. Thanks for listening.